ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಘುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಸೊ ಟುಡೇ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಡೂಯಿಂಗ್ ತರ್ಟಿ ಒನ್ ಟು ತರ್ಟಿ ಫೈವ್ ರೈಟ್ ಸೊ ಎನಿ ಒನ್ ವಾಂಟ್ಸ್ ಟು ಚಾಂಟ್ ಐ ವುಡ್ ವೆರಿ ಮಚ್ ಲವ್ ಟು ಹಿಯರ್ ಸರ್ ಇಫ್ ಸಮಿ ಹಸ್ ಸಮರಿ ಆಫ್ ದಾಸ್ಟ್ ಸೆಷನ್ I've missed a couple of them now and yeah. feeling about it. Uh, yeah, we'll just chant and then we'll do the summary. Okay. All right. Okay. Let me chant. <clears throat> Sarvabhutasthitham yomam bhajatye katvamasthitaha sarvathavartamanopi sayogi mai vartate ಆತ್ಮೌಪಮ್ಯೋಜುನ ಸುಖಂ ವಾಯದಿ ವಾಖಂ ಸಯೋಗಿ ಪರಮೋ ಮತ ಅರ್ಜುನ ಉಚ ಯೋಗಸ್ವಯ ಪ್ರೋಕ್ತ ಸಾಮ್ಯನ ಮಧುಸೂದನ ಏತಸ್ಯಾಂ ಪಶ್ಯಾಮಿ ಚಂಚಲತ್ಸ್ಥಿತಿ ಸ್ಥಿರಂ ಚಂಚಲ ಹಿ ಮನ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಪ್ರಮಾತಿ ಬಲವದೃಢಂ ತಸ್ಯಾಹಂ ನಿಗ್ರಹಂ ಮನ್ಯೇ ವಾಯೋರಿವ ಸುಷ್ಕರಂ ಶ್ರೀಭಗವಾನ್ ಉಚ ಅಸಂಶಯ ಮಹಾಬಾಹೋ ಮನೋ ದುರ್ನಿಗ್ರಹಂ ಚಲಂ ಅಭ್ಯಾಸೇನ ತು ಕೌಂತೇಯ ವೈರಾಗ್ಯೇನ ಚೃಹ್ಯತೆ so uh last week uh, anyone wants to summarize i was also not there yeah um yeah i i i like to um what it so happened i also listened to a really good commentary by swami tadatmananda tadatmananda ji's uh, for 15 to 23 though it's not last week per se i just thought it might be really um awesome to i'll also post it uh, but he uh very very clearly uh explains what is meditation and what is not um pulling in um the relevant information from both gita and the yoga sutras i mean he he says it extremely well i just thought i could share just a couple of minutes um on that um and then you know please feel free to chime in others as well just because i i just thought uh, there were a lot of aha moments i uh, for me and i just um it i think it might be helpful just to level set one more time sure yeah. so um so in um, so this is between 15 and 23 i think that's the crux uh, of the sutras that uh, really talk about meditation so one thing i think there is a misconception even amongst many of us who who have been learning this is that meditation somehow eventually is is the state of stillness of the mind right so uh, you know we all kind of know it is um, getting close to the stillness or or it is related to stillness but we have this notion i, I at least i had 
um, not uh, you know uh, going in um, that it somehow results in all thoughts being eliminated. Right now, that is still a higher goal. But in terms of what is meditation, he explains by relating to what happens by um, what happens by default in the mind. Right, so the mind is um, is uh, by default has uh, goes into what is called associative thinking. I think Swami D also mentions in his book, I think you've read that, um, uh, associative thinking, which is that it goes from A to B to C to B, uh, and one way or the other it gets linked, and there's no logical reason why it's linked like that, right? So I, I remember um, in Swami D's book, he talks about, oh yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm walking on the street, I see a, a sign of, a, I see a BMW car, and then the next thought is, oh, it's made in Germany. Oh, Germ oh, you know, the World War II. And then suddenly you go somewhere else. And then Pearl Harbor, you're in Japan, uh, Pearl Harbor, and, and suddenly in Hawaii with the vacation that you had earlier. I, 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 it just goes in very, very random ways um, from A to B to C to D. And that's exactly, that, that's the dharma of the mind. That's how it, how it works. Now, we're not going to change that. It's not, it's not possible to change that or even to make it still as in eliminate all the thoughts. It is going to keep doing that. Now, he says then, what is meditation? Is basically replacing instead of A to B to C to D to G and so on. What if it is A to A to A to A and so on, right? So replace, give it, request it, by giving it a mantra, could be a mantra, could be um, uh, attention to breath, could be something else. One thing that will replace all the different uh, links that it forms and instead give it A to A to A to A to A. So then what happens is this is where the example of both the flame um, in the windless place as well as the oil being poured. So we spoke about, the, so the oil being poured is a really excellent example from the Yoga Sutras or the commentaries of the Yoga Sutras, um, where if you're pouring hot viscous oil from a vessel to another, right? Um, it seems like, right? It seems like um, when you look at it, that there is no motion, that it is, it's perfectly still, that it's a static piece of uh, something, right? Rather than oil pouring, pouring from one vessel to, uh, to another. It seems like, um, apparently it, it feels like it is, um, uh, it is perfectly still, right? That there is no motion. In the same way, even the flame, he, he explains this really well, in, in fact, more scientifically, saying um, the flame in a windless place seems perfectly still. However, it is a gas that's constantly going up inside the flame. That's why you see the flame in the first place. So the combustion happens and the gas keeps going inside, right? Um, and uh, uh, so there is a lot of the same thing, the same gas going up, but for when you look at it from outside, it seems perfectly still, right? So in the same way, in the mind, it's not that there are no thoughts in meditation. It is just that the thoughts are the same and hence it feels like the mind is still, right? So that is the dhyana aspect of it, right? Um, so the mind is perfectly 
it feels like it is perfectly still, but there is the same thought happening again and again and again, right? So that is the, um, in fact, the technique, right? So it, it kind of gives us that feeling of stillness. Now, as it, um, and then he says, okay, now what next, right? What, what happens after that? So then with the mantra, um, mantra is like, let's say it's Om Namah Shivaya. So it's Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, and so on, right? says, as you give it a little space between the mantras, right? So you say, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, and so on. As you increase the space between the mantras, right? Over a period of time, now, now, now that you've established in meditation, right? Where one thing after the other is, that is still. But as you now separate the mantras a little bit at a time, you start to see the stillness in, even in between where there is thoughtlessness, right? In between the two mantras that you um, uh, mentally chant. And at, uh, those moments, right? So he calls that gradation or evolution from those, uh, from the um, effort where we are giving it, we are chanting the mantra uh, repeatedly, that effort that, that is effort there, but eventually as you space things out and there is that gap in between where you experience um, uh, uh, thoughtlessness and, and uh, the underlying stillness. So um, th those are the moments, right? So he calls that gradation is the Savikalpa Samadhi, right? Or uh, I think in, um, uh, in Yoga Sutras, it's given another name. I think it's called Sam. Some pragnata samadhi. Uh, so basically, it's the same. It's the same thing. Um, and from there to the nirvikalpa samadhi is where there is there is the stillness, the real stillness, right? Which which is again yet another gradation of this process. But then it gets into a, 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 into the real uh, stillness where there is really no thought, right? But then, and then he says, "Hey, do you really need to be like that?" forever, like the nirvikalpa samadhi state, then it's the same as coma, right? It's, it's like there are no thoughts. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like having, being in deep sleep. Um, so is it even possible to function if you're constantly in that? And it's even required, he says. Basically, it's like, um, uh, to, like the way I was thinking about this is, yeah, if, if you always were thinking that the earth is flat, but then the moment somehow you're taken up uh, to the space and you've seen that the earth is actually not flat, that moment is enough. You don't need to constantly be looking at it to be convinced. That one moment is enough to see, oh yeah, okay, I get it. And then you come back uh, and that's fine, right? So um, in the same way that it's not required to be in that state forever, it's not possible and nor is it required. But those moments where it gives you that, um, uh, again, he very carefully uses the words not to use experience of things, but being in that stillness. Um, he says at that time, there, there is one sutra, I think it is 22, uh, where he talks, where it talks about buddhi, using the buddhi to understand um, the self. He says, it's not at that time, because at that time there are no thoughts, but then after that moment, right after that, those moments, you can uh, the uh, it is with the um, intellect that you understand the self, 
right? Um, after that moment. Now, at that moment, there are no thoughts and hence there is nothing even from the intellect. But then after that moment, those moments of uh, stillness, um, I, uh, the, you understand what you went through, when you can almost like look back as, at what happened there. Uh, and that is done using the intellect, right? So that's how he explains why it says, using the intellect, you understand something that's beyond the intellect, right? So uh, it was very, very beautifully done, I thought. Um, and I, I thought it was very nice to also know that meditation is not about, I, actually, there might be other meanings of this. However, in this context, in the, in the way it is explained here in the Gita, uh, it is um, about having that, uh, uh, you know, it's as though it is still, because, because it is the, the, the same thought is flowing again and again and again. It is as though it is still, right? The same way, like, uh, you know, when we, uh, uh, you know, the frames that we see on a movie screen, it's like, it, it, it is as though it is, you know, these are uh, in the back in the days when you, when you put those frames in, um, in a, at a certain rate, it feels like that is, uh, it's smooth but uh, it is um, really the same thought being repeated, right? So that is the technique. Um, and he says there are so many misconceptions around this, uh, misunderstanding of, the, uh, of this topic, even in um, many uh, popular um, books and commentaries and so on. So you wanted to emphasize that, right? So I, I just thought, um, uh, you know, this could be a good feeder for uh, kind of summarizing the last uh, two, three weeks. Yeah. So if I can if I can add to that, uh, sure. And I remember a few sessions back, you had asked me if uh, Swami P has any uh, lecture on comparing with the Yoga Sutras. And in fact, uh, just before he goes into I think verse eighteen, he spends a whole hour, you know, talking about the Yoga Sutras okay. and how they kind of and he he kind of clearly says that while philosophically there is a great disagreement between the Yoga sutras and the, and the, the approach that they take and uh, Advaita just philosophically but from a practice point of view he says that is probably the best way to describe meditation and and he goes he, he talks about the last three uh, angas which is which is dharana dhyana and, okay. and samadhi as being sort of that uh, that sort of meditation that, that, as something that explains meditation and precisely as you said, he says it's not about one thought, but it is about uh, similar thoughts. So, uh, and I, I don't know how to extract that from OneDrive, but I would really recommend everyone to hear that. I've heard it twice. And, and again, he explains it really nicely. Uh, one of the things that sort of became clear, clear to me when he explained the difference between uh, Savikalp Samadhi and Nirvikalp and he went to the root word. Basically, vikalp is an alternative in Sanskrit. And sarvikalp is where you have the subject-object differentiation. Yes. Nirvikalp is when there is no differentiation. Yes. So you yes. get into that higher state. So that's something which really stayed with me. But uh, I, I mean, you're a, you're a tech, I mean, you, there are more techies here than, you know, whether it's yourself or, or Krishna. But if there's a way to extract that 18, that, that, that uh, sure. 18, 18, from there and post in the group, that'll be really good because I, I really thought that summarized for me really beautifully the concept of meditation. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll listen to that.
But Kishore, that uh, analogy um, of, uh, you know, observing that the earth is not round from above, you don't need to be there forever to know that it is not flat, right? Uh, that That's a very powerful analogy. That's first time I heard that. That's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I actually, when somebody was explaining that and I was listening to this, that's exactly what I felt. Um, it's like you don't need to be there all the time. You just mm-hmm. need to get a glimpse of it and then you're done. Actually, it's a bit like when you wake up, you don't need to know that that was a dream. You just know it, right? Yeah. I guess once you've seen that the earth is round, then you know it. Then that knowledge stays with you. I think that's... Uh, Correct. Yeah. Now that's absorbed, right? That, that, that is absorbed. Yeah. It's part of you. You don't need to be convinced of that again and again. Yeah. You don't need that experience or that... that uh, you, you don't need to see it, but you just know it right. at that point. Exactly. To, to add to that, Swamiji gives actually three very vivid examples, how it's the knowledge and not the experience. Experience is not reality. So one he says about the sunrise, that we see the sunrise, but it's actually the earth that revolves. The second, that the earth is stationary. That's how we feel because the, we don't see anything moving around, but the earth is moving around the sun at a very fast speed. And then the third one is uh, that the earth is flat, but actually it's uh, spherical. So all the three things, the experience shows us one thing, what reality is, but actual reality is something different. And it's only the knowledge that kind of, we don't need to do anything new with the knowledge that we just know and that we are aware of it, but our experience still stays the same. We can still say it's a beautiful sunrise. The sun is rising or the sun is setting or uh, it's like flat and we assume all those things. So it was uh, one very nice thing of how Swamiji explained. And then the other one uh, Swamiji calls, so the mind has two properties. One is uh, astiram, it's not steady. Then another is uh, chanchalam, where it keeps jumping from different things. And both Swami Dayananda and Swami Paramatananda have two examples. They call it the monkey mind and the noodles mind. So the monkey mind is it cannot stay with just one thing. It always needs to keep doing something else. Then the noodles mind is you never pull one noodle strand at a time. Whenever you pull, there's like a bunch of things coming together. So that's how like when you start with one thought, like as Kishore nicely uh, illustrated with an example, you see a BMW car, you go from there to Germany, to Japan, to USA. It's like this noodles, a bunch of things come together. And from noodle mind, from noodle mind, it's like he says, you should be like a peanut mind where, you know, everything is a peanut. And when you pick one peanut with a chopstick and you eat it, you take another peanut with a chopstick and eat it. You take another peanut and eat it with a chopstick. So noodle mind is that associated thinking and peanut mind is the one that is in dhyana. Yeah. Uh, one more uh, note I want to add, like a um, couple of other commentaries also I read about, like the whole point of the Japa and the mantras, the space in between the mantras where there is silence. The maunam is the actual uh, teaching. So uh, Lord Krishna in Tamil is called Idayar Kulam. Idayar means uh, cowherd. So that is the uh, word, like um, just like because of his profession and everything in Vrindavan. But the word Idai also in Tamil means in between. That's why they say Idai Veli, gap. 
and then idai idai velai means intermission during the movies so idayan is also the gap which is also called krishna so the silence gap is also called lord krishna i mm-hmm. thought it was very beautiful the idayan is kulam and the what happens in between the meditation idayan is lord krishna which is the supreme self oh that's very cool so uh, so question for question for all, all of us here right so uh, you know as we go through this chapter 6 how many of you have actually tried to change your meditation techniques or whatever that you've been trying to do as meditation i rajesh one comment before we lose yeah. the topic so go ahead um i think uh, on the on the samadhis right the nirvikalpa and there's one more further down called sahaja samadhi right i'm not i'm not sure of scripturally mentions right where you are established in the nirvikalpa and then operating the body with like normally right so uh, so you are so there's also one one state beyond that i just want to kind of more of note so where uh, you are operating at the same time in like in the example you know you are the earth is flat you are you're standing in the earth at the same time you don't lose the view it is it is it is uh, circular so you are in both planes at the same time right so that is this, that's called sahaja samadhi so a lot of the people who uh, enlightened masters that we hear about ram ramakrishna paramahamsa ramana maharishi and my guru they are all established in that zone so even though they are moving the body they are talking to you normally the way at least i understood my guru talk about it is there's no inner chatter in them right so it's almost like they are you come and ask a question it's like asking a google the cosmos directly will give you an answer uh, from that point of view there's no there's no preparation even when he comes for satsangs he does not prepare like he's given a sloka and then he'll come and talk about it and he says i am also listening to it for the first time so in fact i will so many times is enjoying is the satsang himself right he's saying he he's up, like he's just enjoying like a child listening to the first time he says he's also listening to the first time so that's why he said he calls that as a sahaja samadhi where there's absolutely you're spontaneously you're just living as a cosmos with uh, no i mean it's very difficult it's a space right and then it just reveals what is needed at that moment uh, that's that's how he lives uh, that's just wanted to kind of uh, articulate that that there's one more possibility there sorry rajesh kumar no no what you said it nicely muku because i was listening to last week's uh, uh, you know satsang and uh, kishor i think you talked about power of now and uh, ekat tolls power of now see the power of now uh, the way that we understand is it's actually a relative now you know i, I remember alpana used this example saying that you know look at uh, uh, when you're distracted look at multiple things and and then you know you'll come back to now right if you think about it that you know that's actually relative everything is relative there you know it's just that uh, in the times in the time space we are probably you know um, boxing ourselves to a much more closer time that we think that it's getting much more focus but really the power of now then the being in now is what mukku describes as sahaja samadhi right because then there is no there is no difference between time or space or causation the person is just there because the person is there's no differentiation between the individual and the world or whatever in in their minds therefore the power is the the p- power of now is basically being uh being the uh, you know observer completely so other than that anything else which has got this you know uh 
notion of time, space, or causation is not power of now. So there's a huge difference in the way that I've read Eckhart Tolle's book, and it's a great book. But I think uh, uh, I think it, it's pretty good at one stage. But beyond that, you know, it it has to be. You have to know that you are you are the realized person, and then you you are operating from that state. That's the power of now. Otherwise, it's always time space causation. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Going back to my question. And the question is: uh, Have you changed your meditation practice? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Subhu, I think you also lifted your hand. If you want to talk first. I think the first uh, shift I have made is to get a, you know, Darbai Pai. So I've got it in Kiri Trading in Chennai, right? Um, but I haven't uh, yet started using it. But I, I actually used to use a, uh, a cloth mat, you know, all this time. And um, um, and the second thing is that um, I've changed my schedule a little bit to accommodate, um, you know, uh, Diana as part of uh, daily routine. In the sense... Um, I normally used to pray and, you know, uh, at any point in time. So I'm now shifted it before around five or something like that. So five to five thirty six is when I'm actually sitting there in a thing and trying to do my, uh, you know, prayers. I think these two other shifts and um, initially when I started doing this, I think um, I was finding it restless and I was feeling a little uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable as in like I was not getting into the zone very quickly. It was taking me time. And uh, that's when, you know, I uh, started hearing to this Nirvana Shatakam and, you know, uh, chanting of Om. I played it in my ears. I put my pods and I closed my eyes and I realized that I could actually, you know, be in, in you know, there in that space and time and zone uh, quite quickly. And I was able to uh, use the chanting that was running behind uh, to be able to, you know, sort of uh, focus and keep my mind uh, a bit more steady. I think that's the few shifts that I've tried to do. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, me personally, I've uh, uh, I've tried to mix. I've, I've been adding uh, more of the mantra mantra japa uh, into my um, into my practice, but usually. Uh, what has worked for me better is is being being uh, observant, being mindful of my thoughts, but which is fine too because you're constantly being the observer. At, at, it's like um, instead of mantra, it is constantly being um, aware of the observer of being the observer. So um, you know, I, I think it's hard to explain that, but it's not like you. Um, so you are constantly watching your mind, but it's happening on a repeated basis, right? So, so that's how it was for me. But I'm now certain sessions on certain days, I just mix it up with, not mix it up as in I, uh, I use the mantra japa instead of um, um, thought observation. Um, and I, I find that um, um, they, they can also be used one after the other. I mean, I... I find that also uh, to be very, very uh, kind of useful. So the mantra japa is useful in the initial stage and then it helps you actually be the observer for a longer period of time because the mind is quietened quite a bit. Especially if the mind is a lot more um, restless, mantra japa is very effective in, in bringing that back to a certain state because it's almost impossible to be the observer um, 
constantly if the mind is restless. So I use mantra japa as, a, as the initial step before we get into being a completely, um, just being the observer, right? So I've modified my meditation slightly. Um, yeah, very, very nice, both of you. So here is a here is the thing, right? So if I was just looking at this uh, uh, because I missed a couple of weeks, I was just going through the entire chapter once, and it struck me. One of the insights that came to me was in from six point seven, I think, if I remember right. Six point seven, it says that uh, six point seven or six point six uh, shloka, it says that you know, meditation is not for that person who is not a yogi. Okay, and then uh, then in the beginning of the chapter, if you remember, the definition of a yogi is someone who has renounced his desires. So effectively, you know, if, if you were to just do a B equation, right, you have to renounce the desires to be a yogi and a yogi can meditate. So you cannot meditate if you don't renounce your desires. And since uh, that renunciation of desires is not possible, the mind keeps going here and there once in a while. So one, one, of the things, one of the things that, you know, you might want to try the next time when you sit down for meditation is you say that temporarily I'm going to renounce my desires for the next 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. You just mentally state it saying that you make a resolution saying that I have nothing to, nothing to do with this world. Okay. And I'm renouncing everything. And yeah. then you do the, whatever that you want to do, Japa or, uh, focus or whatever, then I think the switch will automatically happen. That, that's actually a very, very good point. In Swami Ji's meditation series, um, if, uh, Swami Guru Parananda's meditation series, um, he always talks with, starts with the Sankalpa, right, in the beginning. Um, he says, one, one way is to actually do a Sankalpa by saying, okay, for the time of this meditation, or during this meditation, I am not so-and-so. I am, I don't have a family. I don't have kids. I don't, I'm not, so relinquish every role that you have. I'm not uh, an employee of this company or a manager of somebody or anything, right? Just keep relinquishing all the roles, saying I'm not. Put that away for the time being, for the time duration of the meditation, right? So then you're slowly removing the different identities in, in many ways that we associate with. Um, so when a thought comes that is related to one of these identities, you can push that aside saying, you know what, this thought is not related. I, I'm, I've relinquished that role, hence this thought does not matter. Right? Um, so that makes it easier that Sankalpa is, Sankalpa is very important in the, before the meditation. Uh, just to give the mind um, and request the mind that, hey, during this time, let's set aside these type of thoughts, right? Let's set aside thoughts of the past, um, of the planning, scheming um, of the future, which is also very common, the type of thoughts that happen. Um, uh, and no judgment, right? And, and relinquish all those um, roles, so then you've reduced the number of avenues of thoughts, right? The, the types of thoughts that come in and you can reject them, not reject them in, in the sense that you can let that pass without engaging with it um, more easily because of the sankalpa that's happened, right? So, uh, so he, uh, he does mention that. Uh, he literally you know, talks to his own mind saying, oh mind, thank you. Uh, you know, during this time, let's set aside these things, right? So 
um, I think that's that's very useful. Yeah. And, and Subhut, maybe that's the reason when you listen to Nirvana Shatakam, right? You're already kind of negating your body and mind in that. And maybe you know, that's why you probably get into that zone much quickly. Yeah. yeah and also, no, uh, what I realized is when you try to, you know, stay and force fit something when you're doing the dhyana, it was coming to be a little difficult and challenging, right? Because I haven't done it for a long time. I used to do when I was a, when I was a kid, I used to do Sandhyamdhanam regularly. So that was in a way a good practice. But uh, for a long number of years, I have not followed that. And now when I sit back to, you know, do those 10, 15 minutes of uh, meditation, uh, I know that I have to cross a, a bridge before I, you know, get into the feeling of, you know, having been in the zone of meditation. So for me, I think hearing this automatically puts me and takes me. It's a, it's a nice, easy step, you know, to actually cross that part instead of you trying to chant and you trying to force fit things. It just, you know, comes into the zone and you just let things flow. You know, to me, that was a little helpful, you know. Yeah. So I used to hear, in fact, I'll share one more. Uh, the other thing that I've been hearing is uh, Narayana Upanishad. In fact, I want to learn that. Um, I'll share it in the group. I think it's a wonderful chant. Uh, it talks about, uh, you know, the Parabrahman uh, and uh, the Adi Narayana referred to as the Parambrahman and, you know, how things actually evolved from there. It's a very five minute kind of a recital, but I think it's uh, extremely soothing, you know, to listen. And I think it's a wonderful chant to hear in the morning uh, or anytime during the day. So a couple of years back, I used to do the same Subhu. I, I used to do the Nirvana Shatakam and that kind of helped focus my mind and just actually focus on the meaning of what was being chanted, which kind of just gets you into the same similar thoughts. But by, what I also experienced, uh, say, a month into it was that I got bored of it. And, uh, and uh, so what I did at the time was I tried to change the things. So I listened to the you know, Pratha, Smaran, Srotra, for example, or some of the other sort of chants, which are equally sort of meaningful in terms of the content, but it's different. Now, I don't know whether that is a good sign or not, because being bored of something like this is not a good idea, which means that the mind is still sort of wavering around. But uh, or maybe my thought is actually focused on the translation than actually anything else. I don't know. But after a while, I needed to switch uh, the chanting to be to be to remain sort of focused just an experience i want to share sure. and and uh, uh, i that's been my also experience over the years right the mind would mind has got an innate uh, you know extreme ability to make things boring right uh, and that's that's i think part of the journey of the challenge of this journey right. is that right you start with something then it makes it a ritual and then the thoughts creep in it it just Hands move, lips move, but, but you know the, the mind still is moving. Right, that's a challenge. So one other, uh, I mean, over the years, I've understood is uh, just focus. I mean, just start to internalize the source of the thoughts, right? So because we're trying to know, assuming that thoughts are coming, and then we're trying to control it, right? The, the tap is on, the water is coming. We're trying to know, like, like work with the water, right? But if you take it one level, inter internalize one level below and say. Where is the source of my thoughts, right? Why am I thinking, right? Um, then typically, you know, there's, there's another technique from Shiva, um, Shiva, uh, Shiva Sutras, I think, um, called Purnatva, right? It's, which, which take this route. Conceptually, 
you 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 understand the where the source of the thoughts are right typically you know there will be four or five patterns of thoughts right for example if you are always worried about money there sorry go ahead is there a question Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so if you look at it, right, there are the source of thoughts will have always about a handful of core patterns, right? Patterns as in the how we see the world, right? Uh, for example, if the if if you just introspect, I mean, this is what I've done over the years, and this I found it very effective. You know, uh, sometimes you know you you're worried about you're thinking about work a lot, or worried about money, worried about some health of somebody, right? There are about four or five major what I call as parking spots, right, for the mind. right and typically the mind will you know 60 70% of the time will park in one of those five parking spots right and of course there'll be random thoughts also right and and then you kind of go back and introspect why am i worried about money right and then then there's there is a process of you know that the 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 shivagama you know there's a process of completion or purnatva it's called right there is a technique shiva gives how do you go and basically in the essence of it is it's a memory of something that happened in your life that made you insecure about money to start with right and then you're projecting that memory constantly from that memory you're operating all the time right so which means you go ahead and complete with that memory right and a lot of times it's an incorrect memory right because you know something happened when you're a child then you start perceiving the world to be this right uh, and you know not everybody's got the same patterns if you look at you and your siblings right one person is insecure about money the other person is insecure about relationship so basically what happens is in this in this concept you go down understand the source of thoughts and you complete that uh, source of thoughts then you see the the water that coming in through that source of thoughts is less so your your mind calms down but not by the effort you putting on the mind but but you going one level below and understanding what the source of those thoughts are and working at that source of the thoughts and shifting those sorts of thoughts right making you insecure about money become secure about money right cognitively shift the secure uh, money to, to security then all that one bunch of thoughts will stop coming or reduce significantly i i'm just giving this as one more approach i've, I've worked personally and uh, i mean i kind of this is where i more of my meditation is on this right now is introspecting the thoughts and understanding the source and completing with it that's my med- that's how i meditate nowadays Uh, not necessarily working at the mind itself interesting yeah and actually uh, muku you said it very well i was watching this movie thank god and when i was in india right and uh, uh, i don't remember the exact thing you know basically this this the scene is that you know this guy is uh, meet, meets meets with an accident and uh, it's a fantasy movie and the guy is uh, you know somewhere in between and he is in conversation with chitragupta chitragupta is uh, is giving him some some gyan about uh, you know and he's is assessing his life right and then he says i'm going to yeah, i'm going to take a break now and tell you a joke and then he tells a joke and the first time the guy laughs okay and then he again repeats the joke and uh, the guy is a little bit you know he doesn't laugh he third time chitragupta again repeats the same joke chitra then this fellow gets irritated he said why are you saying the same joke again and again in the first time i laughed right then why are you again telling the same joke he says yeah but you know the, but the reverse you keep hanging on to old memories which are hurting you and you keep on re- repeating that in your own mind and keep uh, hanging on to it why are you doing it why that pain is so good for you 
why can't you let it go he says and i found it very powerful actually very simple but very powerful actually <laughs> Vidya. Rajesh, that was really good. Uh, I really love these four uh, verses. And uh, the one that really struck me today was love is his breath and kindness is his very substance. That, that really struck me. But I just wanted to share how I practice meditation. Um, daily, my routine is like 15 minutes of doing yoga first, like very mild yoga. It's not too much. <laughs> Whatever my body can attain. Um, and then after Shavasana, I go to the meditation section. By then, I was, uh, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm calm in my mind. And each asana that I do, I either chant something, either Aryoga Mantra, or I chant just uh, Sri Rama Rama Rameti Rami Rami Manuram, something, whatever works for you. When you start chanting, then the whole body, mind, everything calms down. And then you're ready for meditation. And in that meditation, there's a sequence where I get the energy um, and I, you know, basically thank myself. I forget and forgive anything that I had done or anybody else had done, um, including small, you know, jivatmas, you know, uh, I shouldn't say small, but any jivatma. Um, so, so that way, then I just come into a place where I'm so calm. And after that, only I actually go have my bath and again chant Purusha Suktam, Shri Suktam, if possible, Durga Suktam, depending on if I'm bored or not. So Ajay, just uh, answering to your question, I keep on changing my Suktams, whatever I have to chant uh, so that I'm not bored. And some days I, I chant Durga Suktam for somebody else, not for myself, uh, like that Shri Suktam for somebody else, keeping in mind. So this way my focus is not on me, it is for others. And that really calms me down. Uh, and, and that has made a big difference. I've been doing that for now one year. And it, it, it is really, uh, you know, so much difference that I'm not getting bored and I'm, I'm trying to go to even higher level. I know that I'm at a level better than last year, but I have this urge to go to an even higher level. Uh, so, so that's my progress right now. Just wanted to share that. Wonderful, Vidya. Thank you. Very nice, Ajay. Yeah, no, just that's very helpful, Vidya. Thank you. Um, and one of the questions I've asked before as well is: Is chanting a good way to meditate? Because I've always heard that it's best to do japa, which is repetition of a you know Rama Rama or Krishna Krishna or whatever, whereas uh, chanting even in the mind even if you don't do it loudly is that a good way to meditate or not i mean I've, i mean the last time I, I think we spoke we said it's better to do japa than to yeah. do any chanting no, but chanting is japa right what what is the difference no he's talking about no, chanting, chanting yeah. when, when i say chanting i mean you know if you do nirvana shatakam it's like it's not the same as oh, chanting exactly. the name yeah. of rama that's what i yeah, I, I think uh, ajay the answer is in that definition of meditation which is uh, you know, to create the overall feeling of stillness by giving, uh, by um, not letting the mind uh, think of anything else, but by giving the same similar thoughts one after the other, right? But if it's a longer one, there is a chance that uh, the, you're giving the mind a lot more chances for it to go away. 
uh, and then to having to bring back. So it'll be much harder compared to Japa, which is shorter. And so it can be repeated one after the other, right? So uh, as an identical thought, one after the other. Yeah, I mean, identical also, versus similar. And I my, my sort of practice somehow has been on similar thoughts, which is around a meaningful <laughs> mantra or whatever. If, but if yeah, I, I mean, can end. Yeah, yes. If I can answer you, Ajay, um, if we get hung up in japa is better or chanting is better, then our mind is working there. Uh, instead, I would say whatever works for you at that time, just try to calm your mind. And sometimes, like in my experience, um, to me, Sri Rama Rama Ramiti works the best. I tried with Om Namo Narayana and others also. I also tried with um, Shiva Mantra. But for me, Rama Rama Rameti worked best. Uh, so I think you you want to experiment with that and not linger into what works for others and what doesn't work for you. You know, don't don't linger in what doesn't work for you. Linger on what no, no, agreed, works for you. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I, you know, the the these uh, shlokas kind of work for me, but uh, the smaller ones don't. But I guess. Yeah, it's a it's a process. And uh, it's also possible that the chants will get you to the concentration zone, right? And then you mm -hmm. go to the japa, which is more of meditation, dhyana, right? So the dharana is concentration, and dhyana is uh, the meditation part, right? So mm -hmm. dharana, dhyana, samadhi in that state. So you can use chants to get your mind to be focused, and then start the japa if you want to get to the meditation as well. Thanks, everyone. So, and uh, what worked for me also is the thought that we are that supreme self, whether you want to, uh, because I, I face east and I see sun in the morning. So I see myself as that big sun, that source of energy. Um, and then every being is that source of energy. So, you know, thinking of both terms really helps me um, maybe that's what Sandhyavadanam is all about. Uh, you know, so you, you know, the guys practice that, but we don't practice that. But this is one of the things that I learned, which really helps me thinking about the source of energy that is, which is so vast, which is beyond what we can think of. And then when I say Purusha Suttam, you know, you know, get into the meaning also. It says it is in the minute and it is in the, in the largest. So it just brings out the whole thing as such a lovely um, energy that then you linger the whole day with that. And then if you don't linger, then you think of, of how you started the day and then you calm down. So it's not like it lingers and you're happy all the time, <laughs> right? Um, or, you know, you when you see others suffering, you feel that suffering. So it's, it's, it's just that to be in groove of being that self, becomes very important. It's a hard way to explain, but you know, it comes by practice. That's the only thing I would say, but keep on practicing that you are the sun, you are the source of this energy and, and you know, go with that. Flow. Yeah, that's right, uh, Vidya. The mantra is Asavadityo Brahma Sahamasmi. That means it says that the sun is the Brahman. Sahamasmi, I'm also Brahman. That's what it says in Sandhya Mantra. Oh, perfect, yeah. thanks. Yeah, I think I think there are two techniques here, right? Um, we're playing with. I mean, just conceptually, just, uh, the way I'm understanding is 
one is the repetition of rama 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 is is like like you know collecting in almost the source multiple thoughts i think way kishore explained right make it a a a a right that's kind of one one technique right but if you just listen to nirvana shatakam and you quite and there and you need i think context is what they are saying you need to understand the meaning right that's a cognition cognitive shift because you now you're going into the problem that is causing the source of your thoughts right a lot of insecurity causes your thoughts so if i am the brahman and the world is me everything happens from me then that all the train of thoughts is quite down right in nirvana shatakam if you say i am not the body i am not the mind and you start to resonate with that truth right as you're listening to it then all the source of the thoughts that are coming from there you're putting them to rest that is how that is how, that's what is causing that feeling of peace right but then over time the mind will make that a ritual you will not you will not with the same intensity you want the same intensity you resonate with the first time you're listening to nirvana shatakam you in a 50th time you will not your mind will cheat you right you won't resonate with the same intensity and that is why it, it's good to switch and, and and you know make it fresh but again there are two techniques is what i'm highlighting one is to uh, make it a a a a the second one is really addressing the source of your thoughts uh, which uh, which is uh, you know i am the source and the sun if that is the case then why am i worried about you know what's going to happen at work you now there's no there's no that's not going to bother me anymore right as similarly if i am not the body i am not the mind i may have a pain in my leg but that's not going to bother me in the meditation so again there are, i just want to point out there are two techniques at play here right and then each of us can resonate with whatever level and then we can play with it but there are two underlying signs and behind it is all i'm calling yes so i asked swami parmarthananda when i met him about this right whether a long chant or a short chant works better whether we should dwell on the meaning or not and during meditation and all that swami ji is very clear he said that you don't have to dwell on the meaning of the uh, of whatever that you're chanting when you are meditating when you're beginning to meditate think about the meaning okay and then chanting means just the sound okay japa for him for example om namah shivaya at that point of time he is not saying this is a panchakshari and then om means this na means this ma means this that is not what it is he says that you think about it before you start the japa okay then then you getting into that zone like what muku mm-hmm. said right the meaning gets, gets into your mind and yeah. then it's just a repetition of the sound okay a couple of other um, swami ji's uh, why yeah, um, i think rajesh i think you've spoken about this the uh, one of uh, his medit- in one of the meditation right again going back to the sankalpa and you you this is a setting right you you're already um there are different levels at which you're coming the mind so this is one of the levels right the setting is important in the sense of um so in one of the meditation um series or in the types if you will he talks about um you know he actually uh, this is very interesting because he says let's assume you are uh, you're very sick and you have one day to live right and then um you know everybody is around you you are in the, you are in bed all your near and dear ones are around you and then slowly starts to say okay now you lose a sense of your hands and legs right and one after the other all the karmendriyas nyanendriyas are slowly 
um, you, you no longer have them, right? You can no longer hear, you can no longer see, you can no longer smell, right? And you pull back, pull back, pull back. It's as if you're dead, right? And then what happens then with the body not being there, right? Your body is not in, it doesn't respond. Neither is there an input coming in, neither uh, and nor there is a, an output. You're not able to, um, you know, your hands and legs will not listen to you because they are, they are, um, yeah, they're not going to respond anymore, right? So one after the other, if you pull back, it reaches a state of, uh, then what, what else is remaining, right? Then now you're left with your mind, intellect, and then the one beyond that, right? That's all is there at that point. Um, and then without the body at this point, there is no, uh, that, I, that, I, that particular identity is gone at this point. You're, you're moving away from that body, so which means that all the other problems associated with that body also goes away because of that identity um, having gone, right? So this is yet another setting that he talks about. Like, you know, there are different things, but again, he talks about this one. And Ramana Maharshi, I, if, if you, I think if you read his biography, same thing where he, uh, the, uh, the way he gets enlightened is by one fine day decides that, hey, what if I'm really dead? What happens? And then he simulates his own death in meditation. Um, and says, um, then who am I if I'm not the body and I'm not the mind, right? So, um, so different ways in which I would say to give that setting to the mind, to have a certain level of understanding before going into much deeper uh, state, right? Um, Swami's, uh, Ji's book, The Art of Contemplation, I think that that offers some really good uh, again, meditation is a technique, right? So it, it offers a really good technique there, which is when we repeat that japa, um, he says, initially, you're asking the mind to repeat it, right? You're, like initially, you are repeating it as if you are doing it mentally. And then you're asking the mind to repeat it. And you're the observer of that, right? You're listening to it, right? So that shift happens. And then he says, ask the mind to repeat it a little more loudly. So as if everyone in the room can listen. And then he says, ask it to repeat it with a, um, more loudly so that everyone in the village can listen. And then everyone in the space, earth can listen, right? So he says, it starts to boom inside the, it's like a huge booming sound. And that, and, but this is the japa, um, uh, one after the other. Just that you're asking it to change the, the volume, if you will, inside in, in within the or repetition within the mind, and then it starts to boom completely. Um, I remember trying this yesterday because I was reading that book and I, I just happened to remember that. Uh, it is phenomenal uh, what he's saying. Uh, I would urge all of you to try it. Uh, so one is the separation that you're the observer and the mind is the one that's repeating, um, and then start to give it the volume of uh, ask it to increase the volume and then it starts to uh, encompass the i mean that because finally the mind is going to go off the, the the thing is to just gently bring it back gently bring it back into what we have asked it to do that whole um so that that is the essential part of this just that the number of times it goes away will reduce as as we uh, give it this one thing to do and it 
uh, ask it to increase the volume of it as well. So that is from Swami C's book, uh, The Art of Contemplation. He takes this and just explains it in a uh, very nice way. So the most important thing is, you know, irrespective of the technique or, you know, whether one is uh, bored with one particular mantra, switching to another thing or whatever, it really doesn't matter. What matters is Shloka 6.35, where Bhagavan says that, you know, Abhyasena to Kaunteya Vairagyen, Vairagyen to Dushkuta. So basically, the discipline on, on a daily basis does not matter what it is, you know, you don't, I don't care what you do. Bhagavan is saying you do it. Do That's it. all he's saying. Yes. Okay, and then once you keep doing it, whatever that you do, you know, over a period of time, it will develop a little bit of vairagya, and then it will feed it back into your into your uh, pradhya, into your discipline, and then the discipline will feed vairagya, and over a period of time, this loop will just get broken Absolutely. up, and then the vairagya gets gets on, and then you are ready for sadhana chatushtaya. Then, so the key message is six dot thirty five. You know, I don't care what you do, do it. That's what he's saying. <laughs> and well I like said. the way Swami, Swami Chinmayananda says is that you, know, you have to be careful with the sequencing of the words. The first is Abhyasa, not Vairagya. <laughs> yeah. So true. Well, you know, the, to, to that, uh, Rajesh, uh, the Vairagya, again, uh, this is called out even in Yoga Sutras, the exact same thing. Uh, uh, practice and um, Vairagya, uh, dispassion. And those come from, dispassion, you can connect it back to uh, karma yoga, renunciation, everything that results in uh, developing that dispassion, right? So the discrimination and dispassion comes from both the knowledge aspect of it and the practice of karma yoga and other. And the early, earlier chapters have prepared you for this and now given you a certain level of dispassion. And this in turn, uh, now that you're seeing it, adds the, the next level of knowledge uh, is, um, is solidified. The knowledge is solidified in you. And hence, the dispassion increases even more so. Yeah. And actually, actually, you know, we, we should try an experiment. And uh, I have tried this for the last three months and it works. Okay. The experiment is you determine, you determine your own rules. You say that I don't care what it is. Whatever happens in my life, I don't care. This is the time that I'm going to do for this particular spiritual practice. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I don't care. You determine all that. And then you stick to your word. Okay. And if you do this for, let's say, 30 days or 60 days, just see the energy shift that happens in your in your own self. It's humongous. It's humongous. Absolutely. Actually, yeah, you do this to... over a... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just uh, connecting to what Kishore was saying. There is the exact uh, verse in yoga. One of the yoga sutras of Patanjali is Abhyasa Vairagyam Tannirodaha. Yes. So you do the Nirodha with Abhyasa Vairagyam. I just wanted to quote that exact sutra. I was just... Making a note of it. Recently. So there's a, it carries on to say no, no matter the place, the situation, um, you know, no matter what, the practice has to happen. Is is the next one, right? It says without, it um, says without breaking it, uh, consistent, and then being consistent with uh, no matter where you are, no matter what the situation is, no matter what your health is, no matter, uh, and then it goes on to say um, with with um, faith with Shraddha and with, uh, um, um, so he says, you have to, if you follow this, this is practice. He says. So what is practice, right? Is, is that, right? Um, and being able to consistently do this with, uh, with Shraddha and with reverence to the scriptures uh, and to this practice. And no matter what the situation is, absolutely no excuses. There is zero excuses. 
Kishore, I was actually, I was actually, it was mentally saying hats off to your family friend who was meditating on the day of his daughter's wedding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it stayed with me. I mean, back in the day, I was not a, a, a consistent meditator, but um, it stayed with me when I saw that uh, on that day. Yeah. Yeah, actually, in the Professor uh, VK's book, he quotes about this in Vairagyam. There is two types of Vairagyam, and one is the Karana Vairagyam. They, he gives two examples. One is called Smashana Vairagyam, and another is called Prasabha Vairagyam. So the first Smashana is like uh, burial ground. So when there's a big death, there's a big life change, everybody thinks, oh, life is pointless. It's you're all going to die. And then there is like a very temporary vairagyam that comes and then two, three days later, everybody goes back to normal. And another is the prasabha vairagyam, which is giving birth. So when the labor happens, so I'm never going to have a child again. This is a very long, hard process. And then everybody, humanity gets back to its usual thing. So, so he says it's the counter of the don't have it as like a karana vairagyam, just because one bad thing happened to you or you just uh, wanted a relief from a temporary pain, make it like more have uh, something. The second point was like, the, it is the mind's nature to always try to attack, uh, attach to something or optimize and so on. It will not, never change that way. The only way is you attach yourself to something higher. So all this Vairagya and Abhyasa, the, the main point is, one of the ways is this uh, Japas, like a mantra or God or the scriptures or reading about it is the only way you can turn it around saying, oh, these things are lesser important. This thing is more important. And that kind of, creates a positive feedback loop. So as long as we keep doing something, reading, even if you're not doing it 100% correctly, it's all aiding to the same thing. You're, you're in the right direction. You're, you're making slow progress, but at least you're progressing in the right direction that, that takes you higher. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Subhu, you wanted to say something. No, no, no. Actually, uh, just to you know, add on to whatever is being discussed, I, I, I'll read this paragraph rather than trying to say it in my words. Okay, but I thought this was uh, very beautifully said. Right, uh, reiterates whatever we've been discussing. It says the world is fouled and polluted by the distortions of hearing, speech, and sight. It is the inner pollution of man which is reflected as pollution outside. So what you are within is what is getting reflected outside. Everything is a reflection of the inner being. There is no redemption unless the mind is redeemed. So for this, you have to redeem the mind. But unfortunately, it is not possible to extinguish the mind. Okay. And therefore, the solution lies in merging the mind with the divine. Right. So... I thought it was very beautifully conveyed that, you know, whatever we're seeing outside is actually a reflection of what we are within, right? And, uh, you know, somewhere we also see that yad bhavam tad bhavati, you know, what you think you become, you know, everything is a manifestation of how we are able to train our mind. And um, since the mind is something that cannot be extinguished, the ideal solution is to actually merge with the demand. And what I've seen is that you see a lot of people... Um, when they start getting into these kind of uh, practices and habits, etc., the the habits which probably was not really something to be proud of tends to leave you over a period of time. Yeah. So so the more you start, so some people may be having a meat eating habit or a drinking habit or a, this habit which they find it very difficult to forego. But the moment you start doing these practices over and over a period of time, without knowingly, you will have that inner shift and transformation that takes place and somewhere you find that there is no more interest in doing certain things like that and because the mind gets fully absorbed in the divine yeah so i just thought Actually, I would... Vivek, Vivek Mittal is a great example in our group you know Vivek Mittal was a person who never uh, ate anything other than red meat and now okay. he doesn't eat it at all yeah 
that shift happens without your knowledge you know the transformation actually takes place there yeah that is vairagyam yeah correct and that's what it is all linked right so vairagyam abhyas so you do abhyas then you improve your vairagyam and then you have your vairagyam it sort of improves your uh, discipline also so so it's like because... dropping the wine sorry <laughs> yeah yeah i i I, I held myself back with that example. I, I've gone through the same. What you exactly said. Yeah. But end of the day, uh, you know, uh, what I felt was in this Dhyana Yoga. Uh, I think there's a lot of emphasis on mind control and sense control. In addition to you know talking about Japan meditation, right? So yeah. we see a lot of references to having the mind and senses in the right place. uh before you start doing um you know the dhyana i think that is one pick i took uh, from this and uh, second thing what i really liked i think was um, in the last session of the verse 30 where uh, it was said that yomam paschati sarvatra sarvanchamai paschati he, he who sees me everywhere and you know uh, and then there is both a declaration um saying that he merges in brahmam and then i i will not forego him was the beautiful part for me that is somebody who is you know making an effort and trying to see me everywhere he said for such a person uh, krishna declares saying that i will not forego that devotee you know so i think to the to me that was uh, very beautifully uh, a, a huge reassurance right in some way saying that you know uh god is also there for us you know it is not that uh, uh so that that i think was very beautiful um and um i think um the other thing is about uh, samatvam we had been speaking about it i think uh, one mention was there and um, i was just remembering this uh, story you see um where um, you know uh when you see god in every human being and everything around the world then your problem is their problem and their problem is your problem right so in the sense in some way you resonate with that and you try to you know see how you can help people around and um, to me i think that story which uh, you know satya sai baba used to speak he used to say that um, if you're walking in you know the jungle and um, let us say for example um you know there is a thorn which actually you know sort of you know pricks your uh, foot he said if the foot is injured uh, why should the eye cry or uh, you know why should the eye drop a tear or why should the mouth start to cry you know or the you know the uh, you start uh, making noises and you know uh, cry out in pain it is only the leg that has got injured right so i think the answer to us i think we all will you know resonate saying that you know we have one body and whatever happens there is the same pain that we see in the other limbs of the body etc so similarly for somebody who is seeing equanimity and who is seeing brahman and every other you know living being it is equally important for him to have the same uh, you know mental attitude of understanding that the pain that somebody is going through is something that he also needs to be a part to be able to resolve so in some way we contribute we try to help etc so i think that is um, you know the other part which i thought i will just mention which is something i made a note of you know that's it yeah. very nice yeah very nice yeah to add to what subhu said i wanted to share um three things that subhu uh, talked about is uh, about you know taking out meat and all those things but those who don't eat meat we also have certain things that we are um in our own way as you know um have those habits so i indulgence yeah indulgence and, and i'll talk about one of the habits that i have and how i'm trying to get rid of that habit 
it, it's not huge, but it is huge for others. And this is where it, the thought comes that when you see others exactly like you, then you know the habit you have developed is not good for others because you're seeing the other side. Um, so, you know, as uh, my kids are growing, we used to ask, my husband would ask a question and before they answer, I would feel the pain and I will answer for them. I'll give a hint or something like that. So this is my habit. It's a very bad habit. Now I understand. I used to think it's a good habit because I'm helping them. But it's, it is actually a very bad habit because I'm not letting them progress. And um, now, and my husband would stop and uh, they all will say, mom, you have done this. You, you know, then I'll, I stopped it. But I realized that I do this even in my, you know, my violent students. So yesterday I, I had a class and I asked my student to play a particular song and he did not even remember the raga and I was ready to give him hints. <laughs> uh, and then I, I said, this is a bad habit that I'm trying to, you know, curtail. So it took me, it was very painful for me to be quiet and silent and wait for him. But I did. I waited. It took almost like two, three minutes for him to calm himself down and think that he can do it. And actually, he played from beginning to end beautifully. Not a single mistake. But the thing that I realized is this is what I was doing the bad habit in me is to help thinking that I'm really helping. It's not actually help. So, you know, sometimes we think meat eating and other things are bad habit. Even this is a bad habit. So unless you come into a place where you think that you are that person, if I were that student, I would want nobody to tell me anything. I want to do it myself, right? I want to have that confidence. I want to see that I can do it. But I was not letting them do that. So, you know, this is a bad habit that I'm trying to um, get rid of. Oh, very true, Vidya. I think uh, the first step in any, um, you know, transformation or change that we want to bring about is acceptance, you know. Um, so the moment you okay, have yeah. uh, acceptance that this is a problem I want to work on, then you're consistently having a sense of awareness right? The next time you do it, you realize, hey, yeah, I'm still, you know, breaking the rule. I'm still doing it again, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, so, so first is acceptance. The second is awareness. And then there is progress, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because then slowly you start to uh, realize that you need to come over. And I think there, uh, the FIR model works very beautifully, you know, frequency, uh, intensity, and repeatability, right? Recovery. Um, you, you, recovery, yeah. So, so, yeah. so that, that I think works beautifully if you were to just gauge it. Then over a period of time, you'll realize that, you know, you're probably doing it, but you're not doing it every week or every 10 days, but maybe a month, maybe two months, three months, six months. So slowly it's tend to leave, uh, you know, you over a period of time. Yeah, what I wanted to point it out point out here is when you do meditation regularly you know things that you feel are your bad habits um, surface only when you are self-aware right. if you if you don't practice that then there are many bad habits that you may have which you are not even aware of Correct. so I, I think that's what I was trying to bring out that it, you know um, our own integrity is the most important first, yeah. like understanding. That's when we will know where we, we, we have to change or we have to accept 
and uh, progress. You sure? Uh, I do, uh, thank you, Vidya. I think to your point there, in terms of, you know, there are these vices that are more uh, ex like, you know, drinking or whatever, but um, more subtle, subtler ones that we all have, we are habitual. So one such thing is, you know, over many, many years, I, I, um, I, I used to just engage in my own thoughts in, in the sense that completely immersed in just, just thoughts, right? And usually these are, and as you can imagine, these are not very useful, right? I mean, these are not very useful thoughts, but I would engage, I mean, to the extent that, I mean, for hours together, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that I'm just engaged in my own uh, thoughts, right? And very, um, and usually they're negative. Usually they're negative. And over years, I could, I, I, I've done that without even knowing, right? Without even knowing that I'm doing this. Um, now, when I look back with the understanding of how the mind works, I understand how um, futile that was uh, and how, as it has impacted many decisions I've taken in my life. Like just looking back, things that happened, uh, when, I, when you look back and see, why did this happen to me? And actually go back to, you know, why did I uh, say yes or no to something? There is a reason why that happened because there was thought that came in. And then, you, and then if you just keep going back and back uh, like that, um, I could see, uh, the effect of karma because those things are eventually coming because that those thoughts were coming from somewhere and then you engaged with it and then that uh, built even more karma right uh, because of that engagement and that built up even more stuff so um, over years if I look back many in actually very important decisions that affected my life were created by over engagement in thoughts you know, so I realized how important it is um, to, I, I didn't even know it, right? Now mm. I, I, I understand it, but I didn't even know that I was doing that. Um, okay. And um, just to be able to snap out of it and to be an observer today um, is liberating. It is mm -hmm. as if you come out of something, right? Um, and, uh, uh, and seeing how bad it could be especially if those thoughts, and again, usually they are, usually they are not the positive thoughts, right, that you're engaging with. Usually they are the negative thoughts that you're completely engaging with. To have the self-awareness to just plug, uh, stop it at that point and, and to let it pass is huge. Otherwise, it can lead to um, things that are uh, much, much bigger than, it starts with the thought is kind of what I'm trying to get at. Beautiful. Krishna? Uh, Swamiji funnily calls it the non-stop radio station that constantly yeah. keeps going on in our mind. It never stops playing. There is always somebody said by the jockey. Uh, oh, so one thing I wanted to add, um, so we, uh, with, especially very pertinent to the meditation, Dhyana Yoga and everything, uh, the counterpart. So, so the uh, Krishna, Krishna, sorry, yeah. before you go there, I think you, you uh, posted a meme sometime back, which talks about, okay, um, uh, something like the, the radio station only you posted a meme i posted yeah. it on linkedin as well it's the same thing beautiful one yeah 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 that, that was very good yeah yeah 
uh, why did I say that or what did he do to me? And this like all this classic old hits and they, they made it a very nice thing as a meme. Uh, um, so on the, the counterpart to FIR, so Swamiji beautifully says when you do FIR reduction and you're practicing Abhyasa and Vairagya, uh, CCC increases. So he comes up with a new acronym. Uh, CCC stands for, uh, so first thing is calmness. And then the second thing is uh, confidence. And the third thing is cheerfulness. So you will notice like as you reduce FIR, CC and C increases, which I thought was very, very beautiful. And I could see that too. Uh, calmness, confidence, and cheerfulness. And uh, to tie it, like every time I would think, oh, this is a very deep explanation. And then you get humbled by another reading and explanation of the Bhagavad Gita, right? So I used to think, okay, it's 18 chapters. And then somebody would say, oh, no, no, chapter two has everything. Everything is only a commentary. And then another reading, Swamiji would say, shlokas 11 to 25 has everything. Everything in chapter two itself is only a commentary explanation on 11 to 25. And then Swamiji goes one more level deep and then says, shloka 211, is the only shloka. Rest of Bhagavad Gita is a commentary on that shloka. Then you read the Bhagavad Gita Bhashyam and then it goes, Ashochyan Anvashochustam is the only key phrase. The other three quarters of the shlokas are also explanation of only that. So you think, okay, you're going really five levels deep and this is it, right? And then Swamiji opens up one more level. Actually, he says, Lord Krishna has taught the entire Bhagavad Gita without even uttering a single word by his body language. So he says in 2.11, when Sanjaya says, he says, Prahasaniva Bharata. So even in amidst all these things and he knows what's going to happen to his own clan and all the deaths that's going to come, Lord Krishna is as though he is smiling. He's not laughing, but he's very cheerful. So it's like he says the entire point of Vedanta is to be cheerful at all times and handle it with very calm. So he says the entire Gita is taught in that one phrase, Prahasaniva Bharata. So <laughs> which I thought was oh, mind-blowing. Like I never thought he taught the whole Gita without uttering a single word. Very nice. Very nice. And Kishore, what you described uh, sometime back, you know, reminded me of uh, shlokas, uh, uh, something that I that I have uh, actually talked about uh, in one in a, one of our one of our chapter two reviews earlier on was two dot sixty two and two dot sixty three, which is dhyayato vishyan pumsaha sangasteshu upachayate. So you keep thinking about something, you get associated with it, and when yeah. you keep associated with it, you know, it, it goes through a circle of ladder of downfall. The slippery slope. I, I remember you talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 another thing, Vidya, what the 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 way that you connected uh, in terms of you know how you were uh, um, trying to you were thinking that you were helping the people, but then you know it was not actually the right thing to do. Reminded me of uh, chapter one actually, where uh, Arjuna keeps keeps kind of you know, arguing, saying that this is the right thing to do, this is the right thing to do by not fighting. Because he has, he got, he gets attached to, you know, uh, something which is in this case, in his case, it was attached to his kinsmen there, right? And then, therefore, his his mind becomes delusional and and does not differentiate between right and wrong, and then makes the right as wrong and wrong as right, and then goes on and makes uh, does that till such time Krishna slaps him and says, you know, right and wrong is irrelevant. Do what is what is to be done in the role what you're what what you're supposed to be doing. 
Yeah, so good. Um, with meditation, yeah, you 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 see all these kind of point of views <laughs> that you're habitual of and it's not right. So one thing if I can add, uh, one, one thing that helped is if you have a, like the, with respect to the Vairagya part, have a short term goal and, and have it as like one thing, I think it really helped. Like I try to do a lot of various food habits. It can, you always fudge the various rules and it kind of goes away. So uh, earlier this week, my wife and I, uh, we decided we will do uh, Skanda Shashti Varatam. It starts the day after Deepavali. And then oh, that's yeah. when Lord Murga starts fighting Surapadman. Then he fights for six days. And then sixth day is uh, Sura Samharam, where he is one against the Ashura. And uh, and so celebrated, right? So six days of Varatam. And people do the Varatam in various different ways. Uh, so we kind of adopted our own way where we said we will do uh, eat only once a day. So for the last six days, uh, we just eat only during the lunch. That half an hour period is when we eat. The rest of the time, we go to our um, almost like the intermittent fasting, uh, zero calorie diet. Like, uh, And it has worked so far. So it's like the, the seventh day today, like continuing from today. So I, I find that like when you have this very small, like kind of some rules that you set for yourself, that this is clearly what I'm going to do, eat only one meal just around the lunchtime, and that it's for six days, it seems more doable. Whereas if I say, oh, this is going to be my lifestyle, I'm never going to eat anything beyond lunch, then it becomes very, uh, very difficult. Uh, because there's always this party or something, somebody's inviting you for a dinner, or somebody's offering you a prasadam as one very dear friend, almost tripped me out from my uh, Vritam trip. Uh, I was just uh, mentioning Rajesh was tempting me with Tirupati Laddu to come to his place yesterday evening. <laughs> so uh, so there's like always this uh, something that keeps coming up, right? But when you have that short-term goal and certain rules around it, and when it will end, it seems suddenly becomes possible because now that becomes your P0 and everything else you kind of start planning around it. You say, oh, if you have this party on Saturday, let's have it on Sunday. Or if, it, if you're inviting somebody for dinner, let's move them to lunch and so on. Suddenly all the other things seems to fall and organize itself to make it happen. So anyway, just wanted to share that. Very nice. Very nice, Krishna. In fact, you don't have to move. You can still practice that. So you could have gone to Rajesh's place and not eaten Tirpati Laddu, but brought it home and then eaten it. <laughs> and then the next day. Right? <laughs> I would have loved Tirpati Laddu. I think Krishna's problem was not the Laddu. I also told him that I got some Mysore Park, which is what he did not want to eat. <laughs> Actually, Rajesh and I uh, joke with each other. Both of us have a sweet tooth. And we say we will give up everything, then we will give up ego, and then we will give up Gulab Jamun. <laughs> <laughs> I think in that sequence, you can keep the Gulab Jamun forever. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said, Buku. Yeah, yeah, I think you were there too in the Madras Cafe we were discussing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we've come almost to the end. I think uh, there are a couple of people, Gunz and uh, Ranjani, who, who have been silent, uh, um, you know, listeners. So any comments from any of any, any, any one of you? So uh, Rajesh, sorry, I am um, on the move. So not on video, but uh, this was a very interesting discussion. I have just one uh, 
one uh, thing that I was listening to Swami P earlier and just my contribution here is that one thing that really stood out to me is he said that, you know, and I think some of you sort of brought this up uh, because basically meditation is mostly dwelling upon the teaching. Um, and there is no real, so for me, a struggle has been to find a time and place and sit and I'm trying to get better at it, but I'm still right at the beginning where, you know, I can't wake up at four o'clock and find a spot or, um, you know, a mat or anything like that. So to me, what was important and he was saying that it doesn't matter if you're walking on the beach or laying down, as long as you're revising your perspective, that is meditation. So I think that was really powerful for me and so that is what I am trying to do is it you know I'm not beating myself if I can't get up in the morning or do whatever you know I am mostly trying to just have more of a perspective in my thoughts and trying to dwell upon those teachings and I'm trying to do more of that so that's what I'm doing in my own way so I just want to point out I think he gives a really beautiful example of a he said he says in his um, one of his lectures if you uh, if your child is studying for the exam would you rather have him sleep and study or would you rather have him sit up straight and go to sleep you know so i think <laughs> that was really good so i think i am doing my part but it's just that i'm still struggling a little bit to find that right place and spot and time where i can do a every day at the same time but uh, i think i'll get there sometime you know, this just uh, reminded me. I, I, I was reminded. I was. I, I I watched this documentary on the band One Republic a while back, and they were talking to the lead songwriter um, and singer Ryan Tenner, and they asked him. Um, so you know, how do you come up with these lyrics? Do you do you have a certain method, or do you sit in some specific spot, or? some environment, like, how do you do it? And he said, I, I don't care. I could, you know, one time my uh, car broke down and I was sitting on the side of the road and the, this song's lyrics came to me, you know, as I was sitting on the side of the road, I could be in a beautiful garden, I could be in my house. It doesn't matter, I, I can, you know. And, and what he said after that, was, which I had really liked, he said, uh, you, you should not give up your power to these things around you. you know? So you have to retain that power and you can do whatever you need to do wherever you are. So you know, going back to what Ranjani was saying, um, and you don't really need to, you know, I, I mean, I guess it's, those things help, but you have to get to a place where you don't need those external um, you know, sort of uh, things to reinforce your focus. So, awesome. Yeah. Great discussion today. Thank you, everybody. And I think we should conclude. Uh, maybe the next five slokas we'll do it for the next week, uh, next weekend. Okay. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santu Niramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Om Shanti 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 Shri Guru Namaha Harihi Om Hari Om. Thank you. Hari Om. Enjoy the weekend. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.